Hey, funders. Today, we are diving into how Megan's accounts, specifically her boyfriend, Frank, can help her understand the numbers needed to achieve her short-term and interim goals. More importantly, we talk about the concepts of 401ks and IRAs. So what exactly is the difference between the two and how do you manage long-term goals the way you want to, no matter what your situation is? Let's dig into it. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stockwitz. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. So, Megan, what's up, girl? What's up? <laughs> I feel like a badass lately because I'm <laughs> dating three guys. <laughs> I'm feeling myself. You know, I'm getting better Do at you this. Listen to that Spotify playlist. Which one? It's called Feeling Myself. Probably. I probably invented it. I'm feeling myself. <laughs> so I have to share this with you because it's really funny. So Spotify gave me my top like songs or whatever. And it turns out that I just played feeling myself the playlist a lot in 2020. <laughs> Must have been a good year for you. Uh, I think it just had like the best collection of female rappers. So Valid. Mm. It did. Anyways. It totally did. Learned a lesson. And so many people like messaged me back and they're like, you know, there's a playlist that has these songs on it. And I was like, you're like, I invented the playlist. I didn't invent the playlist, but I did. I did become obsessed with those rappers. Okay. So should we jump into our recap from last week? Like, how did you do? What were some hurdles? What were your accomplishments? Yes. So little recap. Dayton three banks. Frank is my 60% bills. Uh, Billy is my savings, which is 33%. And then my fun money is Chad. That's 7% that I haven't heard from. <laughs> what do you mean you haven't heard from? Like what's going I don't on know. with no, Chad, Megan? No emails, no notifications. I can't find Chad's app in the Apple app store. The elusive man he is. I just want to be super clear. This is one of the fintech companies. Yeah. Ooh. You should probably message me their name so I can find a friend there and like, phone a friend at the same time because that's not good yeah we will sidebar that but I'm still feeling good okay I'm still doing the hygiene in the morning I'm checking on Billy I'm checking on Frank uh, you know Chad's out in the ethos I got to get on my laptop and check on him which feels annoying but, but just, here wait, we are wait, wait, wait so your income I'm gonna call him your incumbent your bank that you grew up with doesn't have an app no, no. Frank has an app. Oh. Chad doesn't have an app. My fun money. Okay. At least I can't find it. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. So back to your question. Yep. My biggest accomplishment of the week was I finally closed out the savings account on Frank, which I did, the, the longstanding 16-year-old bank. And now I can finally, I set up Billy within Frank. So now I can start funneling my savings money over into Billy. 
I am a little freaked out. I transferred a good amount of change, the max amount of change that I could transfer from Frank to Billy. Okay. This matrix is getting confusing. And uh, it has left Frank, but is not in Billy yet. Oh, Where's my money? Welcome to Show banking. me the money. Okay, so this is what you were texting me about when you said that your money was missing earlier this week. She's, Oops, for what it's worth, everyone can't see Megan's face. I can see her beautiful face, and she is not happy with me. But it's, okay, it's not funny. It's actually not funny. This is a really common issue in banking, and it's this time delay when money gets transferred from one place to another. So your sample deposits or your mini deposits, micro deposits, whatever the technical term you want to use is called, they went through when you transferred from your old bank to Billy, right? Yes. Okay. So if your money transferred on the micro deposits, the big transfer actually gets held and the transaction gets slowed down because it is such a large sum that you're transferring. And it's both banks' method of preventing fraud and stopping, like let's say you were some kind of cyber attacker and you hacked your account and then you transferred money out to another bank account. So because it's a bank account that hasn't seen a large sum of money transfer in previously, they're slowing down the transfer. They slow down the transfer generally anyways to prevent that. So like it'll probably happen every time. But it's anywhere from like 24 hours to like a couple days to get the transfer completed. And that's 100% because they're just protecting themselves from fraud. There's a lot of ominous words you're using here that are not building confidence that my money's okay. (laughs) Let me tell you what they are. They are slowing it down to prevent fraud. (laughs) I'm like, I could read that on a poster. That doesn't mean I know what that means. So what does that mean? Okay. Are they running through certain federal bureaus? No. But, but, but what's happening? So the way that that process works is when you submit the transfer, they put all of your information into a file that then gets uploaded to like an international system of mm. where like the bank's ACH number, so the number that they use to transfer money, and your bank account. So your bank has one number that they use to transfer money. And that number is like, it's actually on your, it's on your check as is your bank account. So like a routing number. Correct. Got it. So okay. the routing number plus your bank account gets uploaded into a file and then it takes anywhere from one to two days for that to get transferred. And they'll hold that money for longer periods of time. They say for fraud. You know, there are things that you can do to circumvent that. Obviously, you can do wire transfers, which are instantaneous, but those also have a lot more fraud affiliated with them, and they're typically for higher dollar amounts. When you are looking at what you're doing, which is just a direct transfer, they're probably throttling it because they can. They just don't want to have to deal with the potential fraud on a small, I'm going to say smaller, sub $100,000 amount. Okay. So when you say throttling, this is what it means to me. It literally means I have a task list of things I have to do. Mm-hmm. I am said banks. I'm putting this one to the end because mm-hmm. it's not high priority is essentially what you're saying. It's high priority is the wrong word. It's not worth 
them having a fraud issue for them to push that money quickly unless you're paying some extra cash. Like people will pay a higher premium for what's called a wire transfer where it gets done instantaneously because they, they want to guarantee that it's going to happen. When the wire transfer happens, there's additional layers of anti-money laundering and fraud prevention that goes on when it's just an ACH because the dollar amount that you're attempting to do is on the smaller end, it takes, they're willing to let it take more time so that you, if you see that money come out of your bank account, which you saw the money come out of your bank account, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, now she has time to freak out about it and call the bank and be like, where's my money? If it's fraud, get it? Oh, yeah. So if it wasn't supposed to happen, now you can call the bank and they can be like, oh, 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 that was fraud. And they can try to retract that transaction before it goes all the way through. So it, it might be more of a like a security measure it is. that they're taking. They're doing okay, it that to, makes to more protect sense. you. Okay. So the net of it, it's a security measure. It's a good sign that it's taking a little bit longer to transfer. I did see the micro deposits like 41 cents come through to verify the bank, which is awesome. So I know it's working. So Somewhere above our heads is the digital cloud and my, you know, money is floating above us. Correct. Okay. And that, I mean, and that being said, there are banks that can do it safely instantaneously. This is just a result of you being at Frank. Frank is old and Frank is going to use older policies, which means Frank's going to take their time transferring your money because that's their only way to guarantee that your money isn't being fraudulently transferred. Are there other ways around that? Absolutely. But this is okay. this is what happens when you work with an older bank. This is part of the cycle of Frank. He's slow to move. I get it. Yeah. Okay, my money is safe. He's a lazy old man. He's not willing to be, you know. He is. He doesn't have lazy. the newest iPhone, Meg. He's the old iPhone. He's got iPhone 5. Okay, that makes sense. But that's probably the biggest update of my week from last time. Should we should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Should we take a break? I I need a break. Okay. Let's take a break. We're taking a break. So now that we've done the recap, we've talked about your money transfer being difficult. I wanted to hear about some of your financial and life goals and hear about what you thought in terms of some longer term goals. Cause I know we talked about your one year goal. That's that big trip that we're going to go on together. Give me some of the other ones and let's walk through them. I would say one of my longer term goals, I would say probably in the next four to five years, I would like to have enough money for a down payment on a home. I think between now and then, it might be nice to just have as a safety net, like more of an interim goal, maybe take some time off work. Okay. So interim, maybe take some time off work four to five years, down payment on a home, long, long, long ass term is retirement. Is this what your dad's been texting you about? And he's like, Megan. No. Yeah. It's like, dad, why don't you just say I love you? Like, what's up? It's like, (laughs) what about your 401k? What's happening with your 401k? Did you roll it over? He loves you so much. No, I know. He's a doll. He's my fave, but it's stressful. It's so far out. It's hard to even think about. Yes, I'm I'm putting away money into my 401k, but I've worked at other companies, right? So I got money in all places. I'm going to touch on the short-term ones first because I think that's easier and then we can deep dive into the 401k stuff and retirement okay. in general, I should say, not just 401k. So 
your interim goal of wanting to be able to take time off from work, that one's pretty easy to solve. And I say pretty easy. It's, it's somewhat easy to solve. What you do is take a look at what your costs have been over the course of like a year, let's say. So go back in time. I think it'll be easier for you in about 12 months when you don't have as many one-off things and maybe when you don't have to look at your credit card, but you want to go back over the last 12 months and then you want to average what your rent and all of your bills have been over the course of those 12 months. So take the total cost and divide by 12. Okay. So that'll give you a little bit of a smooth, what I'm going to call personal operating expenses, the cost to live as Megan McShane. So just Frank, what's going on in Frank? What's going on in Frank and divide by 12. Got it. And you can even get your credit card bills and then add that to what you spent out of Frank together and then see what that is on a month by month basis and then average that out. Once you have that number, multiply it by however many months you want to take off from work. So you're going to get the average of your personal operating expenses over the course of 12 months. Okay. My own OPEX. Yeah. We were talking about OPEX. This is, this is the side thing. Personal OPEX. <laughs> and then you take that number. So let's say you want to take six months off from work. You now have, it's, an, it's easy to do, right? You just take what that average was over the course of the last year and you multiply it by six. And that is the minimum that you need to have saved. Am I making sense? You just drew a blank stare. Oh, yeah. No, you are making sense. I just, it's like a lot of numbers at me, you know? Yeah. I'm not so, good at math. well, let's talk about it. So, let's say you, in a year, your, I want to make this an easy number. So, let's say it's $24,000 is how much you spend to function as Megan McShane on an annualized basis. Okay. Okay. So, if I divide that by 12, that means that each month that you want to take off from work, you need to save $2,000. Got it. Okay. Which means like for me, if I were to take off from like my current job and, and take a break between now and whatever, you know, next job would be, let's say I want to take three months off. That means I'm taking that 2000 and I'm multiplying by three. I need to have at least $6,000 saved for me to last three months. You basically, you want to save three months of how much it costs you to live. That means rent. That means bills. That means food. Got it. So similar to how we were talking about Billy, who is my new savings account this week, our new savings account just in general, <laughs> this week, just, just this every week. day. He's my flavor of the week. I'll be switching banks very soon. I don't know yet. I'm going to give him some time, at least a quarter. But okay, got it. So I could even set up like a pocket or a bucket inside of Billy to say, I want to take off six months of work and start saving directly into that. Easy. I got that. That makes a lot of sense. What about the house? Same methodology or? It's the same concept, right? So if you want to save up for a house, you need to set like an approximate target date. So like, let's say that's three or four years out. Mm -hmm. Pick that date four years out and then calculate how much of your savings you're willing to allocate into that based on whatever you want your down payment to be, right? So if you want a $100,000 down payment, for, you know, whatever percentage down payment on your home. If you want like a hundred thousand dollars saved, you need to take that hundred thousand dollars and divide it by the number of months that you have so that you can see how much of your paycheck you need to contribute on a monthly basis to get to that goal. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Everything, everything that you do, like from my perspective, anything from like now over the course of the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, all of those things can be broken down by month. So you should be able to A, know what your expenses are on a monthly basis the more you do this exercise. And B, you should be able to know how much you can save per month based on this exercise. And I don't care if that's $5 or a dollar or if that's $100 or $10,000. Whatever that dollar amount is, you need to know what that is on a monthly basis because that should be how you figure out and calibrate if you're approaching whatever goal you're trying to achieve or not. Does that make sense? It does. It does make a lot of sense. I like the monthly goals. Yeah. And just to kind of back into that even further, like taking that one step further, some people don't have the means to estimate backwards the way that you do, which is where you have like excess cash flow that you can just throw into a savings. So if that's the case, you don't have to just calculate based on a future date, right? Like Megan, like what you're doing, you could actually say, I want to save up as much as I can to get to that date. And that's where you really need to know what your monthly expenses are so that you can see what you can potentially save. Does that make sense? So there's two ways to go about it. No, it makes sense. And I think the daily, weekly, monthly hygiene is a way to get there, but also having very written down goals. I almost think of them as like monthly mantras of like, looking back over this month, how'd you do? I deserve a house in five years. So how much are we saving? Well, I think you have a week left in this month, and then we can reassess how you did in terms of savings versus (laughs) the look on your face. Something you want to share, Nina? No, nothing. I just want to know how to definitively get back to my dad with an answer of, (laughs) you know, what's going on with my 401k. Like, uh, I live in a world of acronyms when it comes to work, right? And I think of things that confuse me that I should know more about, but I'm, there's no shame in asking, I guess. You know, we have 401ks, which I do have one in multiple companies now. There's IRAs. I don't know what that is. And, you know, how do you pick? I think those are the only two options. You tell me if there's more. But I think I need, you know, like a bit of a 101 and 401k and IRA land as we start to think about retirement, which seems so far-fetched, to be honest. But I feel like it's something we should touch on. First, you need to know that there are three types of retirement accounts, 401k, traditional IRA, and Roth IRA. And those are the three different, I guess, types that you could potentially invest your money in. Got it. Cool. So of those options, of the three options you just listed, let's say, not for me, but for someone listening, what if their employer doesn't offer like a 401k or IRA, do you have any thoughts on what they should be contributing to or doing? So there are IRAs that are not employer sponsored. So that's your first option. But I mean, there are so many different ways you could invest. You could do something like actual investing where you go buy stocks or ETFs or whatever on the market. You could technically invest in like extremely expensive pieces of art on things like Rally Road. I mean, there's just, there's so many different ways that you can attempt to accumulate wealth across the board. Okay. You could also, I mean, for what it's worth, the one thing that I really like doing, and I've kind of stopped recently, but I'm really into real estate investing as well. Hmm. Yeah. Like buying property? 
Like houses and stuff? Yeah. Basically, you buy investment property. So you buy a home and then you rent it out to someone and it's somewhat complicated. But at the end of the day, your goal is to have your debt on like the mortgage on that house covered by your rent. Huh. Okay. So there's various options for like long-term investments. Absolutely. There's so many different ways. Got it. So I'm going to pull it back to me because I guess we're here talking about me as the case study. (laughs) Exactly. So I've worked at four different companies now and currently my employer contributes and I'm maxing out my 401k with my employer. I have started the daunting process of trying to roll over my other 401ks from other businesses. It maybe took me three months to find the right person from my first employer, and I just got the check in the mail yesterday. Congratulations. Like, how Mm -hmm. old school is that? They, like, cannot figure out how to plug 401ks into each other. Well, let's take a step back from that. There are a lot of different things that you can do with your check, right? So you could roll it into another 401k. Okay. That would be a tax-free option, I guess. You could roll it into an IRA, which is another option. You would end up paying some taxes on that though. And then you could also cash it out, in which case you get a penalty since you are far too young to be taking money out of retirement. But you'd you'd pay taxes on it and you'd pay a penalty on it. That being mm-hmm. said, I think because we're in the midst of a pandemic, you can actually withdraw a certain amount of your retirement for like for emergency purposes right now. Huh. I mean, I don't need to. So I should probably just try to roll it into my 401k. I assume I talk to somebody at my company to help me do this or I don't know if you know a better way. It just all seems so archaic. So did the check get written to you? I have it right here. FBO Megan Purcell. Yeah. So they wrote it out to you, which means I can't remember if the window's 30 days or 60 days, but you have a small period of time to put that somewhere without getting hit with taxes. Oh, crap. I don't think people know that. Okay, cool. All right, cool. So it sounds like I need to probably get this into the hands of my current 401k so I can start contributing on top of it. Yeah. And usually... I'm not 100% sure on the process here, but you would either have your old 401k people write a new check and cut it to your new 401k, or you'll need to cash that check and keep a paper trail that's super clear showing that the exact amount that you cash is going into your new 401k. Okay. Got it. So if I wanted to open an IRA with this check, knowing it's not that much money, What would the process look like for that? And should I even be considering it? An IRA? Well, so let's take a step back and let's talk about the two different kinds of IRAs because they are different from what a 401k is, right? So 401ks are employer-sponsored only. You have a maximum contribution in terms of 2021 anyways of $19,500. The maximum contribution for IRAs is $6,000 for both of them, for both traditional and for Roth. And for a Roth, you actually have to have a specific income threshold. Mm. And depending on what your what your income is, it'll vary. Okay. So it'll vary whether you should be contributing to a traditional or whether you should be contributing to a Roth. 
basically a Roth IRA is meant for someone who thinks they're going to be in a higher tax bracket later in life. So when they're withdrawing their money in retirement. And then the traditional IRA is for someone that expects to be in the same tax bracket or a lower tax bracket when they're able to withdraw for their retirement. And then if we kind of, if we peel it even deeper, Mm -hmm. your contributions to a Roth will increase without any taxes. So all of your contributions will continue to accrue and the balance can increase without you having to pay taxes. Whereas with a traditional IRA, it'll grow tax deferred, meaning you're still going to have to pay taxes on it when you run you withdraw. And you don't get any tax benefits up front with the Roth IRA, but you do on the traditional, which is why a lot of people will, you'll hear them contributing to a traditional IRA at the end of the year if they need to reduce their annual income. Okay. So the traditional Roth IRA, you pay taxes on later? Is that what I heard you say? Yes, exactly. Okay, got it. And so just the basic IRA or whatever the name is? Traditional. Traditional? Yep. Got it. Okay, that makes a little bit of more sense. So you're kind of, I'm saying like, I would like to be making more money by the time I retire. So what would be the better option for me between the two? So you specifically don't qualify for the Roth IRA. You'll have to do. So, and this is something that I always tell people, like when you start to make a lot more money, when you start to accrue wealth, or if you have more than one form of income, definitely talk to an accountant. It sucks the first time because you realize that an accountant costs like 400 or 450 bucks, but they'll be able to look at all of your income and they'll be able to look at everything that you're doing. And they'll also be able to tell you if you should be contributing, like, you know, max out your 401k if you haven't, if you didn't hit that $19,000 or 19,500 threshold. Same thing with an IRA. Your accountant will tell you if you need to contribute to that as well. I mean, there's just, they figure out different little hacks that might be helpful, which I think is super important, especially if you're trying to accrue wealth for later in life. Got it. So it sounds like to me, with this check that I do have, mm-hmm. I probably should use the resources I have at hand. So I do have an account with Fidelity for my 401k. So I can probably call someone there to ask the best method of either rolling it into existing or potentially setting up a new account. Yes, exactly. Okay. Megan, I feel like you're becoming financially savvy. You know, I feel like it too. Sometimes I listen back on this and I'm like, I said that wrong. But I say (laughs) it confidently, you know? (laughs) So it makes me feel a little bit better, even though I I listen to it. I think you're crushing it. And so, by the way, for what it's worth, they did come up with what's called a backdoor IRA, Mm. which sounds sketchy. It's a way for people to get the benefits of a Roth that are not included in the income tiers that are available to them. So if you wanted to do that, there is a way, and we can talk about it in terms of how it works, but logistically, you can definitely make it happen if it's something that you're interested in doing. Because I know that that's what you kind of were suggesting in the beginning of our conversation. Got it. So to me, this feels like we need to have, maybe not next week, but maybe continued a longer conversation about long-term goals. Yes. And yes. What I'm hearing you saying from like a hygiene perspective is if you do have a 401k, if your employer does contribute to it, max it out as much as you possibly can and forget about it. Yeah. Yes. 
exactly. The the quickest way to lower your income when really to lower your taxes is to contribute to your retirement. And the cool part about a 401k, by the way, that I feel like a lot of people don't know is that you can actually use your 401k to pay for part of the down payment on your first home. You can use a 401k to pay for educational expenses. So there's a lot of uses for your 401k just beyond the whole saving for retirement. So definitely always, always max out your 401k. If you can afford it, you should absolutely max out your 401k. Okay. So my text back to my dad, should we write it right now? Because that's (laughs) where we started, right? I asked you, why does my dad keep texting me? So what are we texting your dad? So I think it is Papa P is what you call him. Papa P. Papa P. All right, here we go. Talking to Syra about my 401k. Going to backdoor my IRA. Say <laughs> something like, fancy first. Yeah, say something fancy first. No, say something fancy Ooh. first. I'm going to I'm going to create now say I'm going to create a backdoor IRA. Are you proud of me? Ooh, I'm going to create a backdoor IRA. It came up as Italian. Just so you know. <laughs> Are you proud of me? I hope he instant texts back so that we can have live texting with Papa P. Oh, one day. Maybe it takes we can turn this into like a segment where we just text our parents and say weird things to get responses. I do love that. He's probably eating dinner, but I'm just going to let that settle. So I've responded to my dad, so I feel like I accomplished something today. So thank <laughs> I'm you for proud that. Of you. <laughs> but I think. Really, what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll it over into my existing 401k, and then I'll read up around backdoor IRAs, which I kind of backdoor love. IRAs and and traditional IRAs. And traditional, I, I think you should contemplate contributing to one so that you can so that you can benefit from it. All right, cool. But I got to get moving because I have either 30 or 60 days. Yes. In, okay. Correct. All right, Correct. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Awesome. Proud eager. Thank y'all. Oh, he responded. Sounds strange, but yes. <laughs> Literally, that's what he said. The backdoor IRA sounds strange, but yes. <sighs> At least you're, yeah, okay. Well, he's not as impressed as I thought he'd be, but that's fine. I know. That's okay. Take it for me now. All right. Should we add it up or do you have anything else you want to talk to me about? No, let's add it up. All right, let's add it up. Long-term goals. They're important. You continually need to think about them even if you're young, including a 401k and contributing to it and looking into things like IRAs if you qualify. You also suggested, if you can do this, investing in things that are long-term, like equity, investment properties. What else? Probably not a car. No, cars cars are not worth the money. Cars are not worth the land that they sit on because those pieces of junk depreciate <laughs> the second they come off of the lot. I swear, I swear on that. Like cars are not worth they're not an investment vehicle unless you're buying like a classic collectible car that's sitting, you know, underneath a duster in, in your eight car garage. No, I think that you invest in anything that has long term value. So that's a house, that's collectibles, if that's your thing, that's long-term stocks, that's ETFs, that's finding whether it's a robo-advisory or, you know, what it isn't is this crazy ass short-term trading that's been going on. That is not what it is. Get rich quick schemes never work. They never have. You're smiling. Why are you smiling, Megan McShane? Because it sounds so nice. 
you know, get rich quick. Who who doesn't who hasn't bought a book at the airport? You know, I'm just saying. But I know it's not realistic. I it's know. not realistic. I, right. I, the truth behind getting wealthy is getting rich slowly. Very few people are in a position where they can gain wealth rapidly. And if you take a look, I mean, if you just take a look, there's historically people that are extremely wealthy come from wealth before that. Elon Musk did not build himself from, you know, extreme poverty. Elon Musk built himself from his like family money. You know, he had the capacity to build a car company and a space station or whatever SpaceX is because he had an extremely wealthy family. Like you have to kind of dig deeper to realize that, but people get rich slowly and through generations. They don't just build wealth overnight. That's fair. I hear you saying a word and I'm scared to even bring it up. Uh Uh-oh. Investing. Why are you looking at me like that? Because things that come to mind that are top of mind right now that might not be top of mind when this airs are, I don't know, GameStop, Robinhood, buy, sell, buy, sell. <laughs> All of are those things- triggers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know what? Robinhood's an interesting platform that has a lot of relevance right now. I mean, GameStop has a story behind it that will be a case study for generations to come. I think... If you really think GameStop's going to be here in 10 or 20 years or however long you want to hold a stock, which, by the way, should be longer than five years, your time horizon on stocks should be lengthy. They should not be short term. If you think GameStop's a great investment from that perspective, most certainly jump into that transaction. But But it has to be based on long term goals is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yes. Like I do have the 401k. That seems stable. I'm going to contribute to it. But, you know, things that you know, we've been talking about offline for a while that I know a lot of people are interested in right now is just like one-on-one on investing and even how to get started in some of the terms you should know how to get started in the right way. I guess I'm ready. I feel like I'm ready to dive into that arena. Okay. Well, let's plan on you and I chatting about investing next week. You can pick out, you know, your favorite trading platform, whatever that is. And mess around in a little bit. Try not to like buy and sell. Try to just like buy. But like for next week, just like think about the different things that you like to do and stuff that you use every single day. And then look up what those companies are and if they're publicly traded, because those are the ones that you should contemplate as long-term successes, things that you use every day, items you've had in your life forever. Those are the public companies that will not only be around forever. Those are also the public companies that are probably going to succeed. Okay. So do you want me to buy some stocks for next week or just look into it? You can just look into it. I feel like you're going to be too scared to do it. it I know. You I like, know it took scared. you like over a month to get into the bank account idea. So I know I did. I'll, I'll move a little bit faster on this just for our listeners ears. <laughs> and next week, the other thing I do want to do is get your monthly recap. So I want to see how you did. Okay. Fair. I can do that. Okay. All right. Cool. Love you, girl. Love you more. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds. Girls Just Wanna Have Funds.